I, I, maybe I did play just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative in your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> Review back at it here with David the man of God Harris here on the phone lines. And uh, David is gonna be back to our usual winners and losers this week. And I can't wait to see here who you got as your winners and losers. Yes, yeah, uh, combined past two weeks, we'll start off with the winners because, of course, wait, 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 wait. we gotta get them hyped for the song though, David. We gotta yeah. get them hyped for the song. Here we go. All right, now go, David. All right, the winners and losers combined edition, two weeks worth of winners and losers. Again, before I, you know, preemptively with the false start, five-yard penalty, replay first down. We're going to start with the winners because we have a couple of losers that we definitely have to address. So we're going to, of course, start with the winner section with Illinois football. Mm-hmm. And so you might be wondering kind of why we're bringing up Levy Smith possibly Big Ten Coach of the Year, kind of pushed Michigan to the wire two weeks ago, although they went down to defeat, but came back the next week, top five, top ten playoff potential Wisconsin, and upset victory at home on the five-year contract extension. Because although we've kind of wondered Illinois football, you know, you're right in the heartland, you have all this talent that's really to you from in-state, primarily all the top-tier talent in Chicago land. Could Illinois finally have a program that was worth putting on the field? And it seems though Lovey's turning it around. I don't know if it's the, the Spanish beard and mustache or if it just looks like he's actually getting the players and he's more defensively sound, but Lovey Smith doing some things in Champaign. Uh, uh I, I, let's see what he does the rest of the season. I think someone that you need to be putting on the winners list is that PJ Fleck up there in Minnesota. Now that's a winner right there. Seven and zero. Hey, especially for Minnesota oh, no. football. Yeah, PJ Fleck is my second winner because again, okay, maybe I, I was jumping. I the think gun. I think PJ Fleck had a little bit more hype and expectation coming in, kind of with the success that he had at Western Michigan, and so it was expected that he would be able to, you know, turn the ship around in Minnesota. He had a couple of rough starts, and a rough start to his Minnesota career. But I think the difference between C.J. Fleck and Lovey Smith is that Lovey Smith was coming off of, okay, he kind of failed in the NFL to a certain degree, and so now he's trying to revive his career at Illinois, whereas C.J. Fleck was coming from the highs of a power five or a group of five school dominant NFL caliber players, Corey Davis, 
and going to the next level. Okay, but can he do this at the Big Ten? Can he do this in the firefighter schools where you're competing with more, you know, high caliber recruits? It's not just, you know, Western Kalamazoo area, kind of Michigan, but you have Minnesota, but then you also have the other Big Ten schools that you're competing with. And so can you do this like with the big boys kind of thing? And we're seeing both TJ Flight and, you know, so our boy Matt Campbell. Like the Mac is proving to be a good cruising ground for some of these coaches in the Power Five school. And so I think TJ Flight is definitely like I I don't know if Minnesota will finish the season ranked, but they'll definitely get a decent bowl game and I wouldn't be surprised if they brought a trophy back up to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Another winner for me, Penn State. They survive in advance. The last two weeks, kind of that low-scoring affair against Iowa on the road, and then another scare at home with the whiteout against Michigan. Their whole—I still think that they are the second-best team in the Big Ten East. You kind of don't know what to expect from Michigan State because, similar with Michigan, you really don't know what to expect from them. And then, of course, Ohio State, just because you know name brand, just kind of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so it'll be interesting to see whether Ohio State or Penn State represent the Big Ten because I think either of those two schools would have a legitimate shot at not just making the playoff, but possibly if they get into that number three spot, maybe upsetting the number two team, depending on whether it's Clemson or any of the three SEC schools. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Midland Nation. Hmm. Continuing on with our winners, BYU, Brigham Young, the team we in Toledo know well. They also have Boise State. And use a little trickeration. We're so used to, for those of you who are a little older in age, Boise State was a team that we remember Statue of Liberty, you know, in the bowl game against Oklahoma in the desert. Uh, they're the team that were so used to trickeration, mm-hmm. but it was BYU that kind of helped with a little trickeration on their own. I mean, it's a flea flicker, but still, it's hard in college to do trick plays if you're not accustomed to doing it. I think mm-hmm. taking a page from Boise State's playbook, getting any chance for Boise State really having a top 15 ranking in college football. So, and B- as, as we know, BYU has the ability to put a point. Transitioning over to the actual paid players, even though college football players should get paid, but heading over to the league, we'll start off with the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. They can win smart. They can win ugly. They can win with their defense. Offensively, still a lot of questions because Jimmy Garoppolo really hasn't been playing really well, but they have a three-headed rushing attack where each of them can get you that hard-nosed third and three, tough out four yards, where they can get you six, seven yards on first down. So I think as long as the rushing attack kind of helps out, I really do think the 49ers have a legitimate chance to, dare I say, make the conference championship game with home field advantage. And as we know in the playoffs, anything can happen. I'm not quick to say San Francisco is going to make it to the Super Bowl, but... 
at least getting to a conference championship game is leaps and bounds better than anyone would have expected, especially in San Francisco. That is true. I'll admit that. Yep. There's another team that's exceeding expectations, the Indianapolis Colts. I'll be the first to admit that when Andrew Luck went down, I was like, okay, Jacoby Brissett, we've seen what you can do, but at the same time, do I really know if you can handle this thing for 16 games? But it's really been their defense that has stepped up in big moments. We think of the game against Houston with Deshaun Watson kind of forcing him into some situations and the defense kind of holding shifts. Indianapolis could... Granted, they're in the NFC South, and that division is always open just year to year. But the Indianapolis Colts could be a dark horse team. And for a lot of the experts, they are a dark, nose, or a dark horse team to make some noise in the AFC. Another team performance, the Green Bay Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers has figured this thing out, and Aaron Rodgers is just back to being Aaron Rodgers and being great and doing all those crazy MVP-type performances, just scoring all the touchdowns with his, with his legs or with his arm. Guy's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the last winner for me, Kirk Cousins. Now, I don't know if it's because literally everyone in the state of Minnesota lit a fire under his butt or being called out by his wide receiver. Everyone's saying Kirk Cousins are actually really good, but it seems as though each of these past three weeks, Kirk Cousins has played out of his skin, out of his mind, throwing the ball left, right, and center, uh, the true gunslinger, but then also taking into account that have they really played a strong defense? Not really. I mean, it's good that, you know, they let a fighter under his butt, and so now that he gets to play against some lesser-known defenses or weaker defenses, he's able to put up these numbers. But let's say you put up some of these numbers against a top-tier defense, someone that can actually get in your face. Because with pressure, we know that he struggles a little bit. And even in that Washington game, that game was not pretty until it kind of got away from them in the second half. But maybe Kirk Cousins? At least he's showing the potential to actually be a good quarterback, which is all we really wanted to see from him and not just a game manager, kind of hamster, middle-of-the-road quarterback. And now that we transition from the winners to the losers, and we'll stick with the NFL first and transition away back to college, I tried to tell you all the beginning of the season, Cleveland, your Browns, are a lot of bark and very little bite. And it seems as though the one with the least amount of bite and the biggest amount of bark is your quarterback. Because Baker's not good. Like, if we're just going to go by game tape and what he's doing on the field, he's inconsistent. He's not really getting his his buttons, primarily, primarily Odo Beckham Jr., who we know is good with competent to decent quarterback play because he spent literally his entire career with Eli Manning. Like, after Eli Manning was anywhere close to elite. So he's used to quarterback play that's kind of hit or miss. But this is bad. Right. And Baker Mayfield kind of leaves the league in interceptions, 
in the second half. He's really poor in the red zone playmaking decisions. And, like, I don't want to say that maybe they should have not drafted him because, you know, you want to get the fan base hyped and you want to get into it. But it seems as though do they still have a quarterback? Does Cleveland have a quarterback? That's the question that we keep asking, and it's showing that, yeah, Baker Mayfield doesn't really look like he's got what it takes. Like, he can give you flashes here or there, which is great, but in 16 games consistently, we need you to not be so turnover prone. And this week, you're going up against the New England defense that apparently is trying to rattle the 2000 Ravens and the 85 Bears. Right. Like, they're just shutting everybody down. So it'll be interesting to see how many interceptions he throws against the defense or if they try to scheme and take the ball out of the team. Well, I I, I also think, though, that you got to understand, too, is that um, are they force-feeding it too much to them? Do you think that? I mean, I think Baker Mayfield maybe now with Kareem Hunt coming in, you know what I'm saying? It's, It's It might balance out the Browns. I mean, they got, they have, you know, Chubb and everything like that, but at the same time, though, you know, I think Kareem Hunt will really help them out. Yeah, and I think just having more rushing attack to kind of counter. And so I could see a similar situation to what we've seen in Houston in recent years or even Atlanta with a two running back committee kind of. So with Chubb and Kareem Hunt kind of balancing, maybe that helps so that on second and medium, you can give it to Kareem and he can get you six, five or six yards. Or you can give it to Chubb, who we know has the breakaway ability. We saw it in the game against Baltimore. So he has the ability to make good plays, but in third and five, third and six, third and seven, I don't want the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands because that's when he's going to be prone to mistakes. Because the defense is going to know, hey, he's going to throw. Hey, he's looking to throw. And if you get kind of four blitz, seven drop back in coverage, maybe, you know, once or twice he can get the first down, but there's a good chance when we've seen this season, he's prone to make mistakes. And against a team like New England, who this year they're going to capitalize on it against any team. Like we saw in the game against Seattle, they were up big, and all you had to do was game manage. And granted, Russell Wilson did Russell Wilson things, but game-winning drive, Baker Mayfield, let's see what you got, and he can well up to expectations. So a lot of questions in Cleveland. And so I think the hype and the excitement of Kind of the Cleveland Browns kind of over going to win the division, over going to the Super Bowl. Kind of don't hear a lot of that now. Yeah. Yeah, another team that has had aspirations recently and actually did get to a Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles, like it's fallen off pretty bad. We heard this week from Leonard Kendrick uh, call out his former teammates saying, you know, they're going off that Super Bowl high. And I have to agree with them. The rushing attack is okay. I mean, you can say Carson Wentz is coming back from injury, but like, who is he throwing it to? Like, is the receivers, Butterfinger hands, your star tight end, Zach Ertz, is falling off a little bit. Your defense is definitely falling off a little bit. They're getting torched. And so, there's a lot of questions in Philadelphia. And it always happens that some team 
always finds a way after that Super Bowl high, getting to the Super Bowl, winning it in their case, maybe coming back down to earth and it's that magical run. And yeah, Philadelphia is going to need to do something. And I didn't get a chance to speak on it last week, but yeah, they should have hit the bullet for Jalen Ramsey because at least they would have helped that secondary immensely. But right, you're right. if you don't pull the trigger, what happens? Keep going. Now you're, you're losers, right? Yep. Right. They're another team, again, Super Bowl hangover, even though they didn't win the Atlanta Falcons. And it just seems that more and more they just have fallen off. I don't know what's going on. Like, there's, like one of the smallest players is trying to fight Aaron Donald, who's really not about that life. And so, Freeman, I understand that, you know, aggressive energy, but... Aaron Donald trains with knives, man. Like, this man is legit. Like, he's out here, and he will body you. But offensively, they've regressed immensely, and I don't know. Like, I don't want to say if Matt Ryan is done, but he's definitely on the decline. Like, defensively, they struggled majority of the season. Yeah, Matt Bryan out here missing extra points, and he's literally been kicking since the 80s. But, like... It, it may be time to just go into rebuild mode if I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. And I know that's hard to hear because you don't want to think about rebuilding, especially in the NFL where it's so physicality. But yes, just look at this team. How many more years does Matt Ryan have now that, you know, he's coming off of an ankle injury? So that's going to affect his mobility moving forward. How many more quality, productive seasons does Julia, or Julio Jones have? as your number one receiving option. You trade away Muhammad Sanu to New England, so that limits your passing ability. Like, maybe it's just time to press the reset button. Like, it's not the worst thing. Like, you can reset and come back stronger. Teams have done it. Teams are doing it. And one more in the NFL, Melvin Ingram. And I, I hate to kind of get between the man and his money and talk about money, but maybe you should just tell it out. Because since he's been back, he's been trash. And I don't want to, like, I hate to say it that boldly, but when he was gone, Austin Eckler was a top three running back in the league in terms of the Arsenal scrimmage. The offense looked like it was clicking. Now he came back the first week, okay, you try to get him back a little bit. Okay, you can understand him kind of getting his touches. But since then, since they, he's kind of cried about, oh, I'm number one option, this is my team, I want more touches. He hasn't really done much with his touches. And so if you're really crying about getting the football, do something with the football. You can't just be three or four yards rushing here. And then you're taking away from the offensive flow that they've had, the Chargers have had, and... Now Eckler is doing more with less touches. And so now everyone's like, well, maybe you should get less touches because until you can prove that you're actually worthy of the big money that you held out for, running back to replace him. We saw in Arizona, they've got a fourth-round pick, Chase Edmonds. He went out there and had a career game. We can find running back, Melvin. Like, if you want your money, you put your money, you put your performance on the line and show them. 
All right, transitioning over to the college football game. We're going to start with Texas football. Okay, Red River rivalry. You throw records out the window, but Oklahoma is just too good. But they give up 48 points to Kansas. Granted, they won, but still, you gave up 48 points to Kansas football. Mm-hmm. I, I just think, like, think about this. Like, Kansas, like, granted, we know Les Miles is doing amazing things, and he's probably going to be Big 12 Coach of the Year. But still, if you are trying to be a top 15 team, you don't give up almost 50 points to Kansas. Like, not Kansas State. Like, like, there has to be some questions raised in Austin. Because we know you're not going to beat Oklahoma because they're top tier. But you, like, we still saw in their other big game against LSU, they lost. So it's okay to beat up on, you know, those small middle of the road teams. But in these big time competitions, where's your defense? You want to praise your young gunslinger offensive weapon and Sam Ellinger? Where are you at? And of course, we know the loser Wisconsin. We know kind of tipped the play out with their own season. Well, I, I want to see what they do this week against Ohio State, but they were the loser for the week, though. Keep going. Yeah, like, yeah, so it's bad. But yeah, hopefully they can provide Ohio State a chance. Missouri lost to Vanderbilt again, losing to Vanderbilt in football. Like, just think about how that sentence sounds, and you're a ranked team, and you're losing to Vanderbilt and football. And so it's just another one of those kind of questionables where you're just like, come on, man. Like, I understand any given Saturday, but Van- Vanderbilt football ain't that good. Like, they know that. We know that. Like, no one talks about Vanderbilt and football. Other than, yeah, we beat Vanderbilt in football. Oh. And then the last one, let's just let's just stick it at home and hard to lead a rocket. So, yeah, that 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 was a poor poor performance. Two weeks in a row, but then the Ball State game, they just pretty much got smacked. Yeah, so you understand kind of Bowling Green rivalry game. It's their hundredth season. They didn't want to lose ten straight because when you think of like ten straight losses back to back, like that hurts. And so you kind of understand them coming coming off a lot of these players fighting against each other just from high school football, middle school football in Northwest Ohio. And so, okay, we understand. First quarter, they come out punching in the face. All right, what are you going to do about it? And we kind of chat a little bit about it, like, off air, but it just seems as though they came in with the bravado and, like, hey, we're Toledo. We won this nine straight years. Yeah, we're going to beat CG. And it seems as though they were always – on second year, and Bowling Green just came out and just continued to work. And so, okay, you can understand that. We get that. Rivalry game, records, BG, okay. But to get embarrassed by Ball State, like, that's that's a gut check. But then again, though, it is tough to play at Ball State. We've said that on the show all the time, that Ball State's a tough team to play when they're at Muncie. You know, I mean... But just the way that they look, it just seems as though, and not even just, like, offensively, we get that. We're going to put up high numbers in terms of yardage, even though it didn't really translate into points. But to give up nearly 400 yards on the ground, 
like that's on the front four. That's on the front seven. Like, like I needed each of those players on the defensive line to realize that like, you are the first line of defense. Like the running back passing past you first before getting any yardage and to give up nearly four, like some teams don't even have 400 yards of total offense with passing and rushing. And we did that on the ground. Like, like I've been trying to like, I'm trying to keep the Spencer obviously so we don't get kicked off the airways, but just like, like this is not a Kareem Hunt. This is not a star running back that we're giving this up to. Like, it would be one thing if, okay, we were doing this against Clemson or we were doing this against Alabama or Georgia. Like, one of the teams where we know their running backs can just punch us in the face over and over and over and over and over again. But at some point, you have to look yourself in the mirror, look at your teammates and say, we have to stop this bleeding. We have to be down up front. We have to close our gap, we have to force them to the outside, and then our our linebackers are the second unit. We have to make plays. Like, we can't do all this yardage. Like, that has to be, like, a point of pride. If I'm a defensive lineman, like, I have to look myself in the mirror and say, this is on me. Like, I need the defensive lineman to say, okay, from here on out, we are stopping the run. Because we've shown so we can limit the run before. It's not beyond our control. But we we cannot have another 400-yard game of just rushing. Even 200 is, like we say, oh, 200 yards rushing. Oh, okay, that's a stellar performance by a team. And we, like, double that. Like, like I don't want to say that they should have walked home for Muncie, but... Like you, you got to ride the bus with the parents, like the team bus. Like you have to, like it feels bad. And I know I'm not the only one. I know Coach Campbell, Richmond Armful, and I know defensive line coach just sat in the film room and just replayed that over and over and over all week. And if he didn't, I would. Because we can't, we can't have that, especially knowing that we are the you know class of the Mac West, we're supposed to be the team that bleeps and bounds above everybody else. Like, that performance, people are still looking at us like, come on, man. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Anything else, David? we got to wrap this up. No, that was, that was it. That was my, that's what I figured I'd say the most hard-felt one for last. Yeah, hopefully Toledo football, we get it right because Eastern Michigan comes down, and I don't know if our fan base or our coaches can be happy if we lose three straight especially three were worth favor three straight would be pretty bad um i I do think though that the bg game was inexcusable uh the way that they lost the ball state i i I say it's not pretty but at the same time i knew ball state would be a, a, a tough one uh but you're right losing three straight and early on it looked like Toledo, you know, after beating BYU, and uh, they believe they were what they were four and one at one yep. point. Now they're four and three. Um, it was like okay, they're turning it around. Looks like they, you know, they're going to bounce back from that, you know, basically average season last year. But now it looks like I don't know if that's going to actually happen. 
Um, but there's some people that said there need to be changes on with the coaching staff, especially the defensive coordinator. And um, I, like I said, it, it, it was very inexcusable. Not really good rocket football, but this is what you expect. You know, we, we, we've seen the last few years, you know, unexplainable head-scratching, non-disciplined at times with the teams. Or, you know, you, you've had lackluster bowl games. Sometimes it just seems like these teams don't seem to lock in um, on the details. And, you know, as a coach, sometimes, you you know, I give Jason Candle the benefit of the doubt. You know, he probably is trying to get those kids to buy in and and lock in on the details. And maybe some kids aren't executing. But then at the same time, though, too, if it starts to become a problem, you know, do you do you wonder if it is the coaching? You know, maybe there maybe it does need to be you know a little bit of a shake up, a shake up, um, whether it be the the coordinators or whoever, maybe just to get a fresh voice in there or a new look or just a new approach. But uh, if this season is like last season, there probably does need to be some changes because, like I said, the talent's there for the team. You know, you you play well against teams like BYU and get the victory and you played pretty decent against Kentucky and then you go in there and lay that egg against Bowling Green which I think they a lot of dudes overlooked them I mean it was pretty obvious for BG their their season is made by beating you they pretty much know that they're they don't have all the tools there to win they know that they're probably going to have the less talent but they were out there and they were disciplined and they focused on the details and that's how the coach they say Leffler is so and then the, the Rockets pretty much got beat. So uh, hopefully they rebound against Eastern Michigan later on on Saturday, and um, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, and it, all I wanted is just defensively. Like I don't, I don't know who we need to bring in to give a defensive pep talk. Uh, I don't think it's, it is really pep talks at this point, David. It's more or less how much pride do you execution. have in execution. I, I think that's what it is. You can do all the pep talks all you want, but if ain't nobody out there executing the plays, you know, pep talk is you know is just pep talk. It's cheap. Well, I mean, it's either that or somebody like breaks a you know locker or that. Like, some, yeah, like I need them yeah, to destroy show destroy equipment. Email. You know, yeah, you know that that that'll solve everything. Just, just you don't destroy destroy some equipment. I'm just playing. Hey, I mean, <laughs> if it if it works, you know, I guess so. With but anyway, some... we we can move on. You know, we 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 know what the Rockets need to do, and hopefully they can rebound a little bit, at least look respectable. Um, there are some games that are coming up that are going to be very important uh, for the Rockets, especially Rockets, especially for the Northern Illinois game. Yeah, we have to get all clicking. Offensively, we look good. We know offensively we have a strong running back. We know we have a strong quarterback in play. It's just got to get that other side of the ball. And if we can, if we need to bring in Lovey Smith, I don't know. No. <laughs> no, no. All right, David. Well, we, we're done with that su- subject. We had two weeks of winners and losers. Our return, we'll have a, a look at David the Man Guy Harris and uh, his. Um, Outlook on the NBA Western Conference. That and more here on 88.3 WCTs. After further review, make sure you check us out Saturdays 11 to 1 or on our podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We'll be back after this. 